I'm Kate Daniels, and I welcome Richard Watts, a personal advisor and legal counsel to the super wealthy. In his three decades of working with these wealthy families, he's witnessed the harm, yes, harm, that giving too much to the kids robs them of invaluable experience. In his new book entitled Mania, Rich shares the stories, including some of the experiences in his own life. This is invaluable reading and information for all of us. Richard Watts, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. Good morning, Kate. How are you? I'm doing well, expecting to be so much better as we have this conversation about something that I feel is it's really integral to all of us. Maybe we don't totally understand it or realize it, but in terms of speaking about your new book, Entitled Mania, I feel that we are going to really uh, strike a chord and really uh, do some waking up here and and I hope encourage people because whatever stage of life we're at, it's never too late to really take some of these lessons, I think, and impart them. What do you think, Rich? Yes, I, I think, Kate, that, that really the message here is you can fix it. There really is a, a sense of you have to come to this table wanting to, you know, partake, and you have to want to to be open, and uh, and I think the book exposes a lot of the things that we're doing very intentionally, but the unintentional results are that we're beginning to and have affected our children and future generations, and and we can we can help that. And it's only really been. I would say recent generations, the last few generations uh, that have really been a part of this. Would you say that that's true, that in a, an earlier age, anyone born perhaps prior to 1960 maybe wouldn't have quite this kind of a sense about them? Yeah, I, I think that's a really accurate statement. I think that uh, the baby boom generation came along and somewhere there was a switch. You know, parents used to uh, have kids in the home that were guests, and, and they were to be seen and not heard kind of thing, which sounds a little harsh, but that put kids out into the street uh, for the day to play and out to go figure out what to do with yourself. And, and, uh, and as a result, um, those kids kind of found their way and connected the dots uh, on their own. And this generation, completely with love, uh, decided this is going to be kind of a new hobby for me, this, this raising kids, and we're going to really be involved as a family. And we're not going to do what my parents did, which is where you push the kids away. Uh, we're going to suck them in, and we want to help them get into the, the sports and things that, that we think they ought to get to. We want to help them grow to success. And, uh, and ultimately what you do is, you know, when you're in the process of, teaching your kids what you didn't have, uh, you forget to teach your kids what you did have. And that's that, that idea that I struggled. I, I had some awful times, but gee, I don't want to tell my kids that. And that is one thing, uh, that word struggle. That's a really key thing. We might think, oh, we don't want them to struggle. That's, that's too hard. But really, isn't that an important and invaluable thing for our kids? Yeah, I think that uh, that really it, it's important that you recognize that what you feel about struggle is not what they feel about struggle. You know, in Title Mania talks about this thing of come to grips with yourself first and recognize some of the symptoms yourself because this is a 100% parent-generated thing. This is not something kids have a choice in to become entitled. This isn't 
something they willingly sucked up without knowing or having the ability to have discretion about it. But that struggle is something that, you know, that when you did it, it was painful. And so when you see your child begin a struggle, it connects a lot of dots as an adult. And you go, oh, well, that just reminds me of, uh, you know, one through 17 of how that hurt. And that child is only experiencing the one little piece of that struggle. And it's really important they begin to pull those chips of success out of their bag and, and say, okay, there's a struggle and here's how I dealt with it. That's a good, that's a golden chip for me. And here's another struggle and now I've got another chip. And they begin to create this pile of experiences, good and bad, that allow them to have these, these, this pile of successes and these tools that allow them to go forward and know how to deal with bigger struggles when they hit. Yes, these lessons of life. We don't want to rob our children of those experiences. And you share so many really great stories that show what happens with kids who, you know, are not given that opportunity. And actually, we just need to look around us and see what's happening with our youth and young adults in our society. Right. It, it likens on to me like a, a palm tree. You know, they they always say that the reason these incredibly tall, you know, hundred foot palm trees in Hawaii can handle hundred mile, hundred and twenty mile an hour winds, if you took a new one and grew it in a vacuum and took it to a thirty mile an hour wind, it would snap right off. But you know, given the the opportunity to bend little by little by little as it grows, it really gets to the top where it where it's beautiful and strong and it's had all kinds of smaller winds and when the big wind comes, it really does have a chance to be strong. And, and, uh, and we need to sit back and figure out where we can find a leather belt and bite down on that really hard as a parent and just tie yourself up and watch your child figure it out because that they there's an incredible uh, value to that. So regardless of where we find ourselves, you said, it's never too late to start. So if our kids are now teenagers. This is probably like had some uh, foundation already built, but still it's really important to start with that, isn't it? Sure. And, and even as you say, uh, to your point, Kate, at, at all ages, the thing is, is that when you, when you read Entitlemania and you get through that, that part of that self-identification and where you're doing what you're doing, you'll find parents that are 13 and they, uh, they have kids that are 13 and they'll say, you know, what is it that's happening? I mean, my, he's, he or she's always been fine, and now it must be the teenage years. Well, that's fine. But the fact of the matter is is that oftentimes uh, these things that, that, uh, that you did when, you know, when they were young, you're doing it again, and you're continuing to do it. And frankly, I've seen people that are 30- and 40-year-old kids that mom and dad are still trying to protect and enable, let them live at home, all of these things that they've done way back when. So it becomes important at, at that age, if in your hypothetical, a 13-year-old, when you're ready to, that child's going to turn 16 and you're out there thinking, you know, I struggled to get a car. I, I had a terrible car. It broke down. I got abandoned. My God, there's people out there that will take my child now. I can't have a broken down car. It can't be a used car. In fact, I've got to get them a new car. I've got to get them something. You know, the, the thing is to model not doing that and, and not having that and letting that child recognize that for everything you give your child, you're taking something away somewhere. And in giving them those things, 
you know, you're taking away a lot of the struggle that you had that, that really made you so proud of what you accomplished in getting that used car. And so I tell people, find something that you were planning on doing to take away the pain and just let it happen. And what we're finding, and this is so critical to, again, life today, when we take away that struggle, we give, keep on giving, kids look to other kinds of experiences to give them the excitement that that would have afforded them, you know, having to work to get their first car and getting it. They turn to other substances to get that fun, don't they? Yeah, that's so true, Kate. And Entitled Mania talks about that as well, is that the idea that if you're not careful and you just think, well, you know, this is, this is better that I feel good as a parent and my kid not struggle because I, that's okay. I mean, they'll get through it, then they'll be adults. You find out this goes with them and you leave them incomplete when they get older. And what I've seen, even in some of the wealthiest families, uh, in, in particularly where I work and the things that I do in managing these families for all of these years, uh, and, and, and middle-income kids as well, is they get to a place where their norm is not having pain. Their norm is feeling kind of like, okay, there's no swings to their life where they're glad just to not be in a hole somewhere negatively, uh, you know, from an emotional standpoint. Sometimes it's good just to not have anything bad happening. You know, that can make you feel good if you're used to having bad things happen. But when kids are in this norm level, this, this equilibrium of not having anything bad happen, well, the minute something shakes a little bit, I've got high school teachers here that, that say these wonderful kids, all of a sudden the, the peer pressure is to try something. You know, let's, let's smoke pot, let's maybe do a little crack or coke, or let's try it, and you find, you know, that's, that's a good experience. It made me feel good. And so, hence, we have a heroin problem, which in my day was, you know, like a junkie in the gutter shooting up, strapping off their arm. Nowadays, these are kids with BMWs and nice cars, and, and they're, uh, you know, they're doing heroin because it keeps them feeling good. They don't feel any negativity. So we know that that's an epidemic in our country. We know that entitlement is an another epidemic. So we have to look to ourselves. We, the parents who raised this generation, generations of kids, and we can turn it around. It, it's never too late. And, and you'll find, Kate, that, that one experience, and Title Mania talks about this too, one experience as a parent, you know, just like anything else in your life, it feels really bad at first. If you go on a diet and you decide I'm not going to eat sugar, you know, the first week you're out of your mind. You know, you're not going to drink coffee anymore, God forbid. You're out of your mind the first week or two. And then after a while, you recognize the experience get easier, gets easier. And, uh, and it's not so troubling and not so difficult. And the same thing with parenting. This isn't something uh, that you can just cut off and all of a sudden become the perfect parent. What you have to do is, as I talk about in the first section, is identify uh, all of the problems that are, are causing this and actually begin to change your behavior little by little. And it might just be, I'm not giving you $10 to go to Starbucks. You know, I'm not doing that anymore. That's one cut off from now on. I know that's hard to say up in the Seattle area, but, uh, <laughs> but in any event, um, you know, it's something. I, I've even had a father that said his kid was in college, and he said, I, I read your book, and my kid called it at midnight and said, Dad, I need you to PayPal me some money because I forgot my money 
uh, back at the at the dorm, and I need to pay for a pizza. And the dad said, son, you're on your own. And that got talked about later at Thanksgiving as the son saying, you know, dad, you did that. And I got to tell you, it was amazing. I had to begin to think of what to do, and it scared me because I didn't have any money. And I talked to the owner, and the owner kind of joked with me about things, and then he worked it out. And ultimately, the owner said, hey, you come back tomorrow and bring the money, which I did. And, Dad, the owner offered me a job. And, he, you know, here I'm trying to find a little employment. And he said, an honest guy like that is who I want to work for me. He said, Pops, you need to do more stuff like that. Exactly. And you share those kinds of stories throughout Entitled Mania. We find that's what kid kids want. They want those experiences, and we're robbing them of, of so much value in their life and really building a good foundation for the future. And we're doing it with love. Yes. That's the hard part. You know, it's almost it's almost addictive in our world because we really do have the best of intentions. We're not trying to do this to be to be mean. We're trying to do it thinking it's the best thing. But at some point, there's a counterintuitive nature to a lot of things. And, and that's probably one of the, the greatest things that I've heard back in response to reading the book is that people have said, I knew I was doing this. I could feel it. I knew I, I could. It, and I just, it just wasn't clear to me. And the fix for it in my case, which is different in everybody's case, the fix for it became laser focused clear and I began to drill down on that one thing and when I did I all of a sudden saw little other things I was doing and then the response was so positive and I began to recognize that I had been believing that my pride as a parent is not transferable to my child to have his own pride I thought that if I bought him a car because I was so proud when I got a car that they would be proud because I bought them a car, and they treated it like trash. And I began to realize that they need to acquire their own successes in order to gain their own pride and their feeling that they accomplished something. And he said, you know, they say when, when you get to that point, you almost now want to supercharge that effort because you see the results of their gaining pride, and there's something about sitting back as a parent knowing your child is doing something completely different than you did it has accelerated in areas you could have never accelerated, but because you took the blinders off, you allowed them to go in that direction, and it's just incredibly prideful to watch that happen. Absolutely. Tied into that is this whole idea of our personal dreams as a parent, perhaps what we hope to accomplish and and didn't get the opportunity. So we want that to to manifest through our kids, and it's not their dream. It's That is such a critically important lesson to understand. You know, oftentimes I think of it, uh, Kate, as it like, do you remember the dot-to-dot drawings? Oh, yes. You know, you have a whole bunch of numbers on a page. You have no idea what it is, and there's a whole bunch of dots in their numbers. And everyone has their own unique picture in life to, to have that somehow create itself and become a picture for you. And, and as a parent nowadays, we watch our child put their pencil on number one and move to number two, that's the next step in life, and then move to their number three in their picture. And somewhere we think, you know what, it's a good idea, let me help them skip. Because four, five, and six are really painful. So I'm going to help you pick up your pencil and skip to seven, and eight, nine, and then I'm going to help you skip to 12, because those are all things you're not going to like. 
And by the time that picture is done and they've gone through the numbers, that child has grown up, there's segments missing in their picture. They really don't have their complete picture, and you took that away from them. You took their ability to see their picture because you didn't let them rub up against the boundaries of what they could and couldn't do, not what you like and didn't like, but what they like and didn't like. And so they become adults, and you've taken away a portion of their picture. And we're doing it again in love, but what we must realize, and you share great stories along this line, is that resentment builds from that. They're not, they may become estranged from us for that reason. Yeah, it, that's the strangest part of this whole dynamic, and, and, and that's talked about in Entitlement also, that, uh, that really when you get to the place where you said, okay, voila, I'm ready to, to let this picture go, and here, here it is, and here's my child, 18 or 19, it never turns out like you expect because your, expect- your expectations are different than what they want to do. And so you start to have parents gruff and growl about, you know, look at you. You know, you're not taking care of that car I bought you. And look at you. And, you, you know, when I was a kid at 18, I already had a job. And, and when I was 25, I was already married. And I already had, well, you know something? That's your fault. That's the parent's fault for having not allowed them to generate into their own world. And, uh, and you really do begin to, uh, to take away that vision from them, and they really get to a place where they're, not, uh, they're just absolutely not capable of finding what it is you know, they're really looking for in life. And it's up to the parent to turn that around and put that dream back in the child's hands. Exactly. And entitled mania, how not to spoil your kids and what to do if you have, really is so filled with incredible stories, your stories of of work with your clients, that uh, can be a great way for us to learn. Ideally, young parents or to-be parents might get this as a a baby shower gift, or they might get it as a wedding gift, actually. It's interesting because there's a chapter in Entitlement on grandparenting and how what a great secret weapon that is and has been lost a little bit, but I encourage encourage grandparents. A lot of these grandparents have come in and, uh, and they've bought four or five of these for their kids as an Easter gift or as a gift because they can't speak it to their kids because they won't listen, but they're believing that this is something that, that might speak to them. And they want to give them that gift. And it's, you know, maybe it should come with an apology. It might well be that way, because you have wonderful little uh, snippets in each chapter that pull out some of the great quotes, and kids will be saying to their parents, you know, you should have known better. Why am I in this predicament now? Uh, So yes, an apology might be (laughs) appropriate. And you know, you you speak of the anecdotes and and stories, and I, I must confess, chapter one starts with my own son, my third child. And, and the mistakes that we made, and I got his approval to put that in, but the important part is, is, is we did at 24, 25 years old turn that around and, and actually invited him out the door of our home, and he was a college graduate and everything. And the interesting thing is, is uh, you know, when I asked him, you know, Russell, can you tell me, uh, what do you think of me when you see me? And he says, I'm your best friend. Dad, you're my best friend. You're my best friend. And I said, son, I want to terminate that relationship starting right now, and I want to start by telling you I love you, but I'm also going to start by telling you I've decided to be your parent and give up the friendship. So I may, you can find plenty of friends. I hope someday it returns. And we went through a struggle of him being out and suffering a great deal financially. Here we are now, two and a half, three years later, 
and he sits down with me closest of friends, and he says, Dad, I love you for what you did. I love you more for how difficult you did what you did what actually was. The easy stuff you did when I was younger is one thing, but the real love came from the difficult stuff you did. And, and the interesting part is he's also said, why didn't you start that earlier? Mm-hmm. Yes. See, the, these are the lessons we need to hear if we've kind of strayed off that path wanting to indulge our kids and, and give them an easier life. They, they want those lessons, and uh, it, it's these stories, your personal story, so it's not as though you're coming to us and saying, you know, I did it right. No, oh. no not at all. <laughs> not at all. But, but it's important, too, because, uh, you know, all of us, all of us are, are guilty of this to some degree, and, uh, and, it's, and it's our fault, and we have to recognize that, but we also have to be positive about it and, and realize uh, there's still time. And, and one of the hard parts I always tell people is, you know, go to your you know, teenage, late teenage or early adult son or daughter and actually say to, your, to them, I'm not going to be here forever. My time is shorter than it is longer behind me, and I really want to equip you with the things that matter in life and things that will help you so that you can get along when I'm not here. And I'll tell you, it's a reality check to yourself to realize at some point you do have a responsibility as a parent to leave productive and, and independent kids behind. Absolutely. It, we really see what the world needs, and it is having really uh, compassionate, uh, solid understanding young people who know how to face challenges and not crumble under them and and have to call up someone and oh there's no one to call right right exactly and uh you know oftentimes i liken this onto the statue of david you know michelangelo we as parents oftentimes think of ourselves as sculptors where we're building this sculpture and we're molding it with our hands and we're making it everything we want it to be as opposed to Michelangelo, who took a mallet and started whacking at a giant piece of marble uh, and breaking it. And there was, there was pain and there was a lot of uh, destruction in the process of, of breaking away this beautiful piece of stone that could have been used as a step. It could have been used as something, as a, as a monument to build or to write on. And, and he basically said, there is a wonderful piece inside this block of marble I just need to help force away the pieces that don't apply to the beauty of that statue. And so he removed all of the negative pieces, all the pieces that didn't matter. And inside that block was this incredibly wonderful sculpture. And, you know, the same concept with life and struggles is that kids need to be afforded the right to have life pound on them because in the process, it breaks away from them those things that don't apply to them. And the last thing you want to do is have a kid become a doctor that wanted to be a tattoo artist. I mean, who, who's got the right to do that? Exactly. We all come with a purpose, I believe, to this earth. And we know it. Our parents are, are not the ones who are privy to that information necessarily and to no, impose. No, I think that's true. Right? I think that's true. Yeah. So we have this wonderful opportunity of teaching our kids or guiding 
our kids along a path to become these really incredible human beings. And uh, yes, we may stumble too. You talk about your father, uh, you know, being so wise as he parented you and told you, you know, you'll figure it out, you know, almost like snap out of it. Right. And and, and it's funny you point that out because part of of your part of your dimension as a as a human being as an adult now is looking back and having those painful things not too far away and i'm not so certain why that's important but i remember my first year in college and i didn't know any better and i went away 17 hours from home and i was in school and and i didn't know a single soul there and i'd never seen the university before and all of a sudden i'm in the middle of nowhere and it was you go from popular in high school to nobody, and that struggle was horrible. And I remember calling my dad after two or three months, and I said, I think I'm actually suffering from depression. And I've never had that, but I'm spinning, and I just, I'm, I'm you know, I'm a little frightened. And I remember back with pain that my dad, in this crazy kind of a positive attitude, you know, like a coach in a football game, said, son, I know you'll work it out and hung up the phone. And I went back to, all, I really was in tears. And I remember that, that's, you know, that's many, many decades ago. And yet it's so important to my world to have been in that place. I kind of hated my dad at the time for that. I didn't understand it. I thought it was negligent. And that's part of the inspiration to go on and do something different with your kids at the time. But you caution, you have to be careful because that probably taught me more than many of the things that that, that went right in my life, because the fact is I did work it out. And by the time I got to be, you know, at the end of the first year, I knew so many people and the contrast for me of what it started like and where I was at the end of nine months made me bulletproof for the rest of my life, because I figured, you know what, if I can climb out of that hole, I can climb out of anything. And why not have that tool in your repertoire? Exactly. Why your father did not rob you then of an important, invaluable experience of your life that was such a, an important foundation. And, and you can see where today's parent, if that happened, when you even hear this, that makes you cringe. You, you, you yes. feel, well, I would immediately get on an airplane and go fly there. Secondly, I would probably, uh, you know, get with the school counseling department and make sure they got into counseling, I would probably go to a psychiatrist and see if there wasn't some sort of a, uh, a depression pill that he could take. And all of that may be appropriate, you know, maybe, but you can't ignore the fact that it might not be. And in my case, and I believe in many cases, that my dad was saying no to a participation trophy. You know, you need to go out, and if you're going to win – you're going to win on your own. And it may not be the victory I would have, but somewhere in the process it will be a win for you. And Entitle Mania talks about all of that kind of process of getting yourself to a place where you can allow that to happen with your kids. Exactly. Really critically important information for all of us. We may find that uh, we actually might want to make some changes or we just learn a lot as as uh, mature adults from it, I feel, as well. But it's certainly an important and invaluable gift to share with the young people in our life and, you know, maybe a little older than young people. But Entitlemania is available, of course. It's 
freshly out. And uh, there's a website. That's a good source because there's more information. But we can purchase it that way. Right, Rich? Uh, you can. It has links to Amazon and Barnes & Noble at uh, EntitleMania.com. And we're on Facebook, EntitleMania, and also uh, Twitter at Rich Watts, R-I-C-H-W-A-T-T-S. And that's something that I usually drum out a little something every day to people that is pretty much in your face and does people don't always agree with it but i don't care i mean these are things that i really believe are true and i think they're doing more good than than otherwise but uh but that's how you connect terrific this has been such a wonderful gift that you have shared with us spending this time with us this morning rich watts i greatly appreciate it thank you for doing this work and writing entitle mania it's truly quite a wonder yeah, Kate, thank you so much. I enjoyed it, and it's important to me the message get out because I really do think it's maybe the one thing our country can do to bring back that strong core of a family that used to define what our country was all about, which is this family unit that spoke for itself, and it took strong people and strong kids and strong generations, and we need to get back to that unique thing about American family. It's important. Well-spoken and well-written. Thank you, Rich Watts.